going on? What's going on? We are back uh, with another episode uh, of the JJ Sports Talk Show. You know, I'm your host, uh, main host, Jordan John Louis. I my boy, Ant. We're doing a two-man band tonight. Technical difficulties on uh, Math End, but we'll get that situated um, next show. But we're, uh, we're without the two M's tonight. Matt Thornton can't make it tonight yet. We, we were trying to work with them on the, on the microphone, but Matt's working a little uh, night shift tonight. So just me and you, Jay. It's funny how he was clowning me for missing the last, what, two episodes or the two. Uh, yeah, and, and Maz wanted us to highlight his notable predictions that he had. And I was like, bro, you're no not way. here. You got to highlight your own stuff. We ain't going to do it for you, but we'll, we'll do it because, you know, it, this is his first time missing it, but. Jay, how how you been, man? What's going on with you? I've been good, man. Just you know, a lot of schoolwork. Um, you know, I know me. You're in the same class, and you got to do that that sixty minute or sixty second project, whatever. I mean, I did it already, but I've been good, man. Just living my life, man. Bless bless you another day, man. Yeah, college college life can be pretty stressful, but man, doing this podcast is great. Love doing it every week, and uh, let's just hop right into it, man. So first up, NFL news came out today out of Tampa. Tom Brady, retired, 44-year-old quarterback after a career year, after a 5,300-yard season, 46 touchdowns, 12 picks, called it quits after the divisional loss to the Los Angeles Rams. There was a lot of plethora of media hype surrounding a possible – Tom Brady retirement. Schefter tweeted out a few days ago. Tom Brady squashed it real quick. And now the the announcement came out today. Tom Brady finally came to a decision and it's over. So what a career for Tom Brady, man. I mean, 22, 20 seasons with New England. He got six Super Bowls, three MVPs, three All-Pros, five-time Super Bowl MVP. He went to, uh, to Tampa. First year, won Super Bowl 54 with the Bucs, beat Mahomes and the Chiefs. Just absolutely unbelievable career. And, Jash, want to let you know, how, how do you feel about this sort of this news breaking? Yeah, man. I mean, um, when Adam Schefter, like, like reported it, um, I was like, wow, like, is this real? Um, and then Tom Brady's camp came out and said that, like, nothing was, like, solidified. Nothing was official. So I was wondering, like, where that news came from. Like, how did, like, Adam get those reports if, like, the Buccaneers didn't hear from him? Um, yeah, I was shocked, man. But then today I was at school driving home. Now I got home. I put up my ESPN report, and I was like, oh, Tom Brady officially calls it quits. And so, yeah, I mean, I feel like Tom Brady, he's a quarterback that um, – He's a player that most teams, like most fans, hate because people love seeing. People are tired of seeing him like on in the Super Bowl. But you have to respect the man for what he's done. Like seven Super Bowl, seven rings. Um, the man was going to come out and do it another year at forty-five. So, um, but like I've been watching the Man in the Arena, like awesome documentary. Like really. Uh-huh pulls out like you know Tom Brady's like toughness and you know like gotta tip my head off to him man and it's gonna be feel weird to like watch football next year without him in the league like it's gonna feel like kind of like awkward. I'm I'm 19 years old. I know no NFL without Tom Brady. It's it's very 
weird. It's going to be a weird feeling not seeing him out there every Sunday. But, you know, he's, he's a 44-year-old guy. He's a 14-year-old son. Probably missed the majority of his life because he's been going out there every day and practice, film study, all that. And yeah, but just, I kinda, just to be the best, he's got to yeah, do all that. I kind of knew because um, this retirement like announcement was kind of like for real because like um, he could have retired like five years ago if he wanted to. But I think this one felt more like surreal because he really factored in like his family, his kids. And I, I went on social media, I posted like a little a little post, and I, I was like, really, like Tom Brady is going into the second chapter of his life, j- j- just like Kobe did. Um, you know, uh, like eventually when you're a top athlete, father time catches up to you. And not saying like he still probably had a lot of, you know, play left in him, but just the fact that, you know, he said his wife is like, you know, worried about him getting hit, um, getting injured. And plus him, like you said, missing games with his family. Um, so I feel like this was this was a more like sincere, like real announcement. And um I'm excited to see like I mean, like the man had nothing to lose uh, at the end of the day, like best quarterback of all time, probably in the NFL. I heard he's eligible for the Hall of Fame in 2027. So he definitely has his seat at Canton, Ohio. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a crazy uh, draft class. You got Brady. You're gonna have Roethlisberger. I'm pretty sure. Well, I, I, it's not been official yet, but you got to assume Gronk's gonna retire as well, just because Brady's gone now. So you're gonna have a Hall of Fame class of Brady, Roethlisberger, and Gronk, which that should be really good 2027. But back to your point, Jay. I mean, I mean, Tom Brady, his stamp on the game cannot be understated. We all thought that throughout the years it was, oh, he was carried by Belichick. Belichick was the brains behind the operation, and Tom Brady was sort of just the system quarterback placed at the helm that made it go. Well, Tom Brady left for Tampa. We all thought, now we get to see what Tom Brady really is outside the Patriots system. And he just went on and won another Super Bowl and just showed how great he is at age 43. Tom Brady, even past 40, is probably a Hall of Fame career, just just past the age of forty, which is crazy. So Tom Brady, Tom Brady, six, seven-time Super Bowl champion, five-time Super Bowl MVP, three-time MVP, three-time All-Pro, the greatest of all time. No one else even comes close. And, and we're wishing him best of luck. Yeah, a lot of people. Were, life. Yeah, a lot of people were saying that, like when he left um, Belichick, because a lot of fans were saying, a lot of like, sports fans were saying that, oh, since Tom Brady was under Coach Bill Belichick's wing um, for all those years, that you know, oh, going to another team, he wasn't going to win the championship. Well, he proved it with the Buccaneers. Like he just he he proved that he doesn't need like a Belichick to win a championship, and you know. I'm telling you, like, if you haven't watched that documentary, like, I mean, I'm on episode three or four, but, like, teams should model. I know it's hard with the cat space and everything, and the luxury tax, but um, teams should model, like, the Patriots. Like, I've gained so much more respect for Tom Brady from watching that documentary, like, of him with Bledsoe as a quarterback at the time, and then him getting hurt, and then Tom Brady stepping up. And I had a question, like, how, like do you think – that because at the time Bledsoe 
uh, was getting was about to get that major contract at ten million, like that. He was, but he's who's about to be the highest paid quarterback at the time. So do you think if Blesso didn't get hurt, do you think Tom Brady was still like would have been, you know, who he who he is today? Because the, the Patriots because, system, I think, definitely molded him. I don't think he would have been where he is without it. But, he was mad because like but you can't player. understate that he is the greatest of all time. Yeah, he, of, course, of course. He's done it. I think even with Mac Jones, look at Mac Jones. I mean, he's been in this Patriot system for one season and he's already sort of molding himself into a top tier quarterback in this league that could definitely go out and win you a championship maybe three or four years down the line. But Tom Brady, he started his career behind Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe, by no stretch of the imagination, is a bad quarterback. Drew Bledsoe is a fantastic quarterback. He took the Patriots to a Super Bowl back in, I think, 1996. Lost to the Packers and Brett Favre. So Drew Bledsoe was a great quarterback coming in. And there was conversations after Tom Brady's big run at the beginning of the season. Do they put Drew Bledsoe back in? Tom Brady ended up just saying – Tom Brady kept playing be- uh, well. Belichick just decided to keep Tom Brady in. The rest is history. Went on to beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. So – Tom Brady definitely was a generational talent, as we all know. Definitely one of the best football minds that we've ever seen. And I think being in that Patriot system definitely elevated it to another level than what he had already been at. So Tom Brady definitely deserves everything he's gotten. Great career. And we're we're gonna start heading up to do, our next story. Like, do you, I, I, I got one more question before? Like, do you think do you see Tom Brady in the next couple of years being like a, a um, my hat? Like, obviously, like football will, will always be a part of his life. He's done. Nothing. Think, no, I'm saying, do you think like him being a coach or like nope, an assistant nothing. coach or anything? He's done. Nothing? He's already said that he doesn't want to do any coaching. No front. Off. Maybe he said he'll he'll consider doing like what John Elway does, like a VP of football operations do like a GM role, maybe front office, but he said he doesn't want to do any coaching, no broadcasting. I think it's pretty much it. And you know what? Generally the goats of sports don't do much after their careers. Like, I mean, Jordan is owning the, he owns the Hornets for a reason. I mean, he's got all that money. So he decided to own a team, but like Kobe was doing nothing but like running basketball camps and running his business. Like just think about all those guys who have just been goats at their positions and they just don't do anything else with the rest of their lives, which is understandable because you put so much time into the, an effort as a player to be the best. You just want to live the rest of your life, which I understand. So yeah. now we're going to move on yeah. to our second story in the NFL segment. Brian Flores, former Miami Dolphins coach, yes. is suing the NFL and three other franchises. His The Miami Dolphins, the team he, just, he for, uh, formerly coached for, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants. And he's suing them over a discrimination case. He's suing Denver and New York based on their not interviewing him. He never got an interview, and he's saying that it was racially motivated why he was not interviewed. And he's suing Miami just for the firing that happened last month that under the uh, the administration. And Jay, I know you when when we pitched this story right after it broke, you were very adamant about this story getting on, and I want to just let you. Go off real quick. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm not surprised because like the NFL. If you look at the NFL now, there's only one black current black coach in Mike Tomlin um, at the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
I don't think there's any African American uh, coaches in GM roles. I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong. The the, the Bears just hired a uh, African American GM, I think. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. Like, it sucks, man, because he, um, I mean, he had a okay season. Like, he went nine and eight this year. I think he was overall twenty four and twenty five with his record. Um, but at, I was looking at in, uh, social media, and uh, there was a post where him and Billichek were texting, and I, I think they uh, signed Dabble. The Giants, yeah, the Giants hired Dabble, and I think Belichick thought he was texting Dabble, saying like, "Congratulations on getting the Giants gig," when mm-hmm. he was texting Brian Flores, which Flores. it's kind of weird how he, he, out of all the people he could have texted. To say congratulations on getting a head coaching gig, he ke- he texted the other guy who was going out for it. Kind of seems like Bill Belichick's back up to his games. But Jay, go back to him. Yeah, like saying. when I like when I first saw the story, I, I mean it's similar to like the Colin Kaepernick because like he took a stance uh, for what for what he believed in, and he had, he doesn't have a job right now. But a lot of people are saying this class at lawsuit possibly. This can be for his last opportunity to coach, but that shouldn't—I mean, in my opinion, that shouldn't be the case because, like, I feel like he should get an opportunity. Uh, I feel like, but the NFL—I mean, it came out responding to Flores saying that, "Oh, we believe in equity," and I don't believe any of that because if you look at the stats, like there are, like I said, one black coach, and there are several coaches out there, like like the Lions coach who was like one in seventeen. He should be fired and replaced. But you're gonna fire somebody, and also I heard that the coach or the GM um, offered to pay one hundred thousand per loss for them to tank, and Brian didn't take it. So they were the they thing. were trying to throw him under the bus, man. So here's the thing that I I want to talk about in regards to African American coaching: the Rooney Rule. Yeah, the Rooney, I, rule yeah. the Rooney Rule is you guys may know is a rule that the NFL put in place after the Steelers hired. Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney, the owner of the Steelers, was the one who hired Tomlin. And it basically says that during the head coaching interviewing process, head coach like the, the front office needs to interview one African American coach to, you know, get interviewed, has to be interviewed in the process. Problem is, I just see many teams just flat out just they, they interview the one guy. And they don't even consider him just to go by that rule, which kind of it's kind of wrong. It, it's very neglectful. There's so many great yeah. African American coaches out there, and if you're just sort of just oh, I, I gotta get past this quota and not even give them a look just because I need to I need to follow the quota and not have a class action lawsuit filed against me, you're you're basically spitting in these guys' faces. You, you're acting like you they don't have a shot. You're, you're just bringing them in just because they're like a charity case which is wrong, which I love the Rooney rule. I think it's very, very helpful. I think more black NFL coaches need to get interviewed for these head coaching gigs. But when you're using the Rooney rule just to fill check a check a checkbox, it's not serving the purpose. You're really just sort of using it just to get by. You know, Jay, I mean, what do you say about that? Yeah, so for um, before, uh, welcome to the show, Matt. Um, I think you're, is your audio working, man? Uh, it's a little, it's a little, it's a little, uh, a little bad, but we'll we'll do what we got. 
Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I'm on now. It's kind of like you're on speakerphone, man. It's like kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> they get a little closer. There you go. It's All a right. Better. No, yeah, I was saying that, like, so what? Um, in the lawsuit, um, that he filed, he was basically saying that you got these. I mean, he didn't say it in a lawsuit, but like, and I quote, he was like, technically saying that you had these white owners who are sitting up in the luxury suites. Join the games while you had the minorities, black players, um, black coaches fighting for their lives every given Sunday, and how um, you're your which I think black uh, African Americans take up 70% of the NFL players, and you're letting these owners sit up there making the money in your in your mate and. The black players are making, helping them make money and making them millions. So, I mean, he's all about equality, about, you know, and I don't know, knowing, knowing how the NFL works, I mean, it sucks to say, but I don't, I don't know. I want him to coach again, but many people are saying that this, this lawsuit is, is going to tamper his, you know, coaching, you know, for what's just messed up because he's speaking for what he believes in. So he's speaking the truth. Right. He's speaking the truth. So, yeah. I, Matt, I, what do you think? Here, here's the thing: when I thought about the Flores firing, yeah. Uh, initially, I was baffled because I saw it and I go, "Why are they firing this guy?" I get it; they had a bad start to the season. They started one seven, but he brought him all the way back and got him within one game of being a playoff team. So, even though he had a bad start, he was able to rebound. He's making Tua look a lot better. He originally, I heard stories that he didn't want to draft Tua. He was on in on Herbert, which the front office wanted Tua, and that's what happened. So he's had many disagreements with the front office, and that's that's sort of the reason why he got fired. Still don't understand why he would be fired for that, just because he's been having such a good track record over these last two seasons. And that that's when I started even thinking right then, like maybe there was a racial component to his firing. His firing did come out of the blue. And it seemed like the GM and the owner really didn't want him there in the first place. And, and that, what do you what do you believe in that? Yeah, I have to agree. But first of all, is, is the audio better? Little yeah, bit better? it's a little bit better. Yeah, I think it's good. Okay. All right. So my initial reaction, I was shocked because, as you guys said, I didn't believe that Brian Flores deserved to be fired in the first place. Uh, he was he did miss the playoffs the last few seasons, but he's 24 and 25. How many white coaches do we know who have had just as bad or not or even worse records who got to keep their jobs for decades and years upon years upon years? And uh, I was I was um, looking at the uh, an article. Uh, I, I forgot who wrote it. It is not coming to my memory. But as you uh, as Jordan mentioned, I seen uh, an article where it was talking about like the perspective of. Players, it's like a, the NFL is ran like a plantation, how uh, minorities are putting their bodies on the line and, and the owners are on a, a luxurious, um, you know, area, fancy food, all that stuff in the press box. Uh, and they're watching these like minorities put their bodies on the line. Uh, I understand that perspective, even though I slightly disagree because these uh, black players are still getting paid millions of dollars. So it's not quite exactly the same. You, they're still getting paid for their job uh but this is a this is definitely an issue going across the nfl with uh the hiring of black coaches and executives 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, I don't. I think there's like two or uh, one or two black coaches left now since the firing of uh, Brian Flores. I think left. it's only. Um, I think it's one. Tomlin. It was yeah. Brian Flores. Yeah, just Tomlin. Right, right, right. It's just Tomlin now. I mean, Salah. Um, he's so like he's Muslim. Salah. So I don't think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think Salah. He's right. Object, and then you got Ron Rivera, who's uh his. Right, right, right. So this is definitely an issue that there needs to be more. Like you guys spoke about the the Rooney Rule, um, they do have to uh, interview at least one minority for a position. And like you, uh, Anthony stated, it, you can tell because I read the article. It said that he just he's accusing them of just uh, interviewing him knowing the entire time that he had no chance of getting the job. So they're trying to skate by the rule. They're trying to just say, oh, yeah, we interviewed a black person with no intention of actually hiring him. And that's just wasting. Why would you waste somebody's yeah. time like that? He's so so well, why would you bring him in to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I was saying I did this. I did this uh, story for my assignment for my class. And like I, I was I was an article on Instagram on ESPN and um, the Giants uh, made a statement saying that um, they did consider Brian Flores, but they said at the last hour. They chose Dobble because he, he he met the requirements. Okay, so they didn't even interview Flores. That's crazy. What I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So what do they mean at that eleventh right. hour, the last hour? I mean, and what qualities does Dobble have compared to Flores? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Dabble's Dabble's a great coach. He was the offensive coordinator of the Bills. The Bills were one of the best offenses in football this year. So not we're not knocking Dabble in any sense of the word. It's yeah. just that. The, the the hiring of him without even considering Flores just seems shady. So Jake, keep going with where you're going. Yeah, I was just saying that, like you know, like he they scheduled that uh, interview with Flores, but then come to find out that they hired uh, Double like three days after, like they talked to him. Um, so it's kind of like think about the real world. Like how how would you feel if you got like interviewed for a job? I don't know. As I don't know, like a top top. I don't know for a boss position, right? And like you know, you're qualified, but then oh, sorry, um, we hired someone else because we hired someone else because he's more qualified, like or because of the color of my skin, or like I mean, that might I don't know if that's the case, but there's a reason why Flores is filing this case. Uh, there has to be a reason why he's filing this lawsuit, um, and it's kind of shedding shedding the light on the hiring process of the NFL and like. The NFL, like, there are some athletes, some players that I know, some 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 friends I know that are not going to support the NFL until they change some of the some of these things. Like, even my dad, like, he used to be a big NFL watcher. He don't watch the NFL because after what Colin Kaepernick, the whole situation. So like, it's all like <clears throat> messed up. Yeah, I, I, something's got. Right. And I, oh, sorry, Matt. You go. You go first. Definitely. No, I, was saying, I, I looked up when he actually got, he actually got hired. He was hired February 14th, uh, February 4th of 2019. So this man had two seasons and they get rid of him when he's had deep. He was in, he may have not made the playoffs, but he was in at least playoff contention. He at least had them relevant towards the end of the regular season. So that, this is just completely messed up and uncalled for. And I see why he's suing because that, that's the only uh, reason I can think of is, is skin color. Because like I said, he had them in playoff contention. He's ever since he's got there, they've improved from what they once were before. It just it's just really sad to see in his day and age. Yeah. I mean they I mean they fired Cully too on the Houston. He was yeah. one of the players. I mean and he, and he didn't even have that bad of a season considering what Houston was going through. Houston was projected to have like what two wins? 
he ended up getting what I think it was four or five wins with them. So Coley's firing was a little weird. I, I think they were saying that he was sort of just a one-year buffer before they were to hire someone else, which why would you waste Cully's time moving him all the way to Houston, uproot his life, go to Houston just to play, uh, coach one season and then fire him no matter what the outcome was. I thought Cully was 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 way out of line as well. So Flores, I mean, I get, yeah. Flores has been fired, and, and now he's not even being considered. It, it's definitely – a little shady, and we're going to see more when this lawsuit actually unfolds. So moving forward, we're going to talk about the crazy conference championship Sunday that came out out of the NFL. We're going to do our little two-game recap that we usually do. First game was a 3 o'clock AFC championship game. Cincinnati Bengals came into Kansas City. They were, I think, what, a seven-point underdog coming in? No one really gave him a chance. You know, Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, that defense with Chris Jones was starting to fire back up. They had Tyron Matthew back. Cincinnati was a little uh, coming in off a nice little win off the tight against the Titans. And what a game. <laughs> I just got to say that. Cincinnati upsets Kansas City 27-24 yeah. in overtime. Joe Burrow, 23-38. 250 yards, two touchdowns and interception. Mahomes, 26-39, 275 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Bengals get the W. Bengals heading to the Super Bowl, first time since 1988. So, Jordan, what did you think of this game? I'm going to be honest because Chiefs were spanking them, and um, I just kind of conked out and fell asleep. Um, Then I, I woke up, and I was like, whoa, this game is crazy. Burrow's marching down the field. Nixon run up, like running up, like like running up the field. Um, man, Burrow's Joe Shiesty, man. That Joe that dude. Brrr, like, cold, you know. Cold yeah, he's a uh, he's a dangerous man. Just like Stephen A. Smith, he's a bad man. That's a fine. Um, no Stephen A. Smith. Come on, man. That's bullcrap, man. Come on, come on. <laughs> that, that was on point. He, but I mean, thinking he is you a gotta, bad man. Yeah, come up with your own thing, though. Come up, come bad up with your own man thing. coming in with Cartier glasses on, like, like yeah. smoking, up. smoking stoves on the sideline, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, like, but towards the end, like they were blitzing on Mahomes. He was doing some freaky plays. Threw threw an interception to a lineman. Um. Uh. Had almost had a. I don't know what he was doing. He was trying to go went back a couple yards. Then he like tripped and he like threw out of bounds. And then that that key stop by Eli Apple uh, with Tyreek Hill made that stop. And then the rookie uh, kicker uh, McPherson kicked the game winner. Um. So yeah, that was a good game. That was a good game. Matt, what do you think about that, man? Yeah, Matt. Oh, Matt. Matt backed out. A little technical difficulties we're having with Matt today, but yeah. overall, this game. Was really back and forth. I, I missed the, the, most of the first quarter. I was I was at the mall, which I have a funny story about that mall. We'll, we'll, we might hit on that later, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that later. But is that, is that the story you told me yesterday? Uh, yeah, it's the story I told you yesterday. Maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast later on once we're once we're done with everything. But I I missed most of the first quarter. I I was catching in and out of the second quarter. Finally, I watched. The whole third quarter, whole fourth quarter, and all of overtime, I was able to watch, and it it was just really 
close in, in every sense of the word. I, I think Joe Burrow plays hard out. He had, he had that one crucial interception towards the end of the game, and we all thought, oh, boy, this is where the Chiefs, you know, pull out their magic, go to, to another Super Bowl, a third in a row. And I got to say, I, I'm pretty proud of the NFL fan base community. We all, every, I feel like every fan base sort of just came together just so the Chiefs wouldn't win, you know. Everyone was rooting for Joe Shiesty, but third quarter, the, the Chiefs were up 21 to 10 at the half. Evan McPherson hits a field goal with two minutes 58 left in the third quarter. So it was 21 to 10 with three minutes left in the third. And you weren't crazy if you thought that Cincinnati wasn't coming back in this game. Joe Burrow got them in a position to win this game. He was moving the ball on that Chiefs defense the entire second half. They had no no answer for Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon was was ripping up that run defense in the fourth quarter. Mahomes had probably one of the worst second halves of football I've seen. I think he had a 12 QBR in that second half. Just abysmal. I think he threw two picks. And then the game... Got to overtime. Harrison Butker hit a 44-yard field goal. And then we, we we got to overtime. The coin toss was about to start. And we were like, oh, please. Don't let the Chiefs get the coin toss again. Go right down the field and do it for a second week in a row. They got the coin toss, and we all go, here we go. It's going to happen again for the second straight week. Chiefs get the ball. Third play of the drive, 13 seconds in the overtime. What a parallel, too. 13 seconds in the overtime like the 13 seconds he had against the Bills. Mahomes throws the interception to Von Bell. Bengals run a few plays. Evan McPherson lined up for 31 yards, drills it, sends the Bengals to the Super Bowl. As a Ravens fan, me me and you, Jay, it sucks because the Bengals are a division rival. You never want to see your division rival succeed like that, but even though I am a Ravens fan, I love Joe Burrow, man. He he is just so entertaining to watch. He's got a great personality, and even though he's got a little bit of that cockiness to him, you can tell he's just a great leader, silent leader. Tells what, like he leads by example. Guys love to follow him. They would go into 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 battle with him. They know that they'll get the best out of him whenever he goes out there. Uh, Matt, you saw the game. What did you like from it? Man, that game, first of all, these playoffs have been spectacular, man. Like, every round of divisional championship, we have been getting some really excellent football. But um, I originally had the Chiefs winning in a close game. Um, it did play out kind of how I thought it would. I didn't expect Mahomes to play that poorly in the second half, as you mentioned, Anthony. Um, but I, let me start by saying this. Joe Burrow, I said this weeks ago, Joe Burrow is that dude. Joe Burrow, even in his rookie year before he got injured, he was having a, an absolute amazing rookie season before he got uh, injured. He was, they were starting to win games. He was coming along. He was um, in a groove. And then, he, obviously, that injury came. He was out for the rest of the season. So he's been that guy. At LSU had the best statistical college season for a quarterback we've ever seen. So he's been this guy a minute now. We're just seeing it on this stage manifest. You know what I'm saying? So Joe Burrow, he's played lights out. Um, the game, I thought it would be high scoring. I forgot what my score was originally, but it was close. I think I had uh, the Chiefs 31 to 27, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs got off to an excellent start, as you said. They was, what were they up, 21 to 3, you said? 
They, they were up 21 to 10, but I think they were up 21 to 10. I forgot how much they were. Yeah. 21 to 10. Yeah. Right, right, right. 21 to 10 at, at halftime. So I, I, I thought, I didn't think it would be a blowout at that point. I knew Burrow would make some plays and get them back into the game, um, which is what happened. But I am shocked that the Cincinnati Bengals defense bothered Patrick Mahomes that much in the second half. They came in having full momentum. They were on pace to, to blow them out. And then Patrick Mahomes, that first interception cost them uh, Cincinnati. They come back and score. And then he throws a second pick, which is so out of character for Patrick Mahomes because he's usually the one that puts on these comeback, comeback performances against other great quarterbacks and franchises. So to see him play that poorly in the second half, you got to give credit to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, pass rush. They were able to get Mahomes off his spot. Even though uh, Mahomes is, is familiar with being on the run, he's one of the better quarterbacks that's, uh, that plays under duress against the Blitz. For whatever reason, he was just not in his he, – he was not playing to the level that we, we expect him to play at. Um, I think he was uh, – I think he tried to do too much. Because I, I saw so many plays where Mahomes could have just ran for a first down, but he decided that he wanted to – run in circles, try to extend the play for a longer period of time. And most of the time that didn't work out for him, he would end up getting sacked. And that uh, that sack when they were in the red zone, um, when Patrick Mahomes took, and I think it was the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, the fourth quarter with a few minutes left, uh, when he took that crucial sack that made them uh, take that field goal, I was like, come on, Patrick Mahomes. You are, you've done this before. You've been in the playoffs. You've won a Super Bowl. You could not afford to take that sack. And that stage of the game, when you're in their red zone, like he was literally 20, 30 yards away from taking a lead, and he 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 was doing too much running around in circles, like I stated, and he got sacked. But you got to give credit to the defense. Joe Burrow, he plays amazing against how many. It doesn't matter how many times he gets sacked. It doesn't matter if he's losing. Joe Burrow finds a way to get it done in big games and clutch moments. He is really that guy. He's been doing it for a long time, honestly. Yeah, just like I, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. I, I just want to say give a quick shout out to uh, Trey Hendrickson for the, for the Bengals. When they signed this guy in the offseason, everyone was slamming it. They gave him, I think it was a six-year, $60 million contract. And everyone's like, why would you give that much to just a third down edge rusher? This guy has come to play this season. He's right. a pro bowler, which he won't be playing the pro bowl. But that whole game against the Chiefs, I was watching him. That guy has a motor. There, there was a play where Mahomes probably scrambled for a good, like, eight seconds. And Hendrickson was on him the entire time. That's the reason, like you said, Matt, that Bengals defense bottled up Mahomes in that second half. And a big reason because of it was that pass rush. And, Jay, go what you were saying. Yeah, I was going to say, like, just like you said um, about, like, us being Ravens fans and, like, you know, like – it sucks that Burroughs is in the playoffs, but but we're not. But I I really got to, like – I'm really like gaining my respect for Joe Burrow, like because like he's very you know, like I said in the other pocket, he's very cool, calm, and collected um, in the media, and um, with Big Ben re- retired and Baker Mayfield kind of like finding his way, I feel like Lamar Jackson and Burrow that that that's gonna be the new like you know met, matchup of of next year like in the AFC North. Hey, I feel Jay, like that's a fine. How that a fine? There's no fun. context to that. You can't be bringing up Lamar. And we're talking about Joe Burrow. We're talking about the game. Huh? Joe, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. There's, no, there's no Lamar in this. Nah, nah. Come on, it's a fine. Yeah, you, you have. You have to throw Whatever. I'll take the fine. I, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna explain myself. I mean, but think about it. Since Big Ben is out, they're they don't have a quarterback. Um, Baker Midfield, the Browns kind of having a little. I don't know. Kind of iffy. 
I feel like the new matchup is going to be in the AFC. You know, it's going to be Lamar and, and Burroughs. I mean, that, that's the new matchup. When, when Lamar gets healthy, I mean, we had a little, had a little examples of it this year with uh, the two games, but that, that might be the new, like, you know, rivalry, the Bengals and Ravens, man. You know, it was the Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers. But I feel like, you know, with these young quarterbacks, I mean, I feel like with, with Mahomes, Lamar, Burroughs, and the AFC, the AFC is going to be stacked for the years to come. And Herbert but, and Josh Allen. You forgot those guys oh, too. Josh Allen, too. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know why I'm getting that fine, but I mean, I made a point. Lamar wasn't in the story whatsoever, and you made him a part of it. That's, what, that's, Burroughs, what the, that's our fine. Remember, we always say you bring up Lamar. That's the fines, man. <laughs> it's always when Jay gets the fines, not fine. See, Matt is probably watching this like he's ready, to hand, he's ready to hand us fines, but he don't want to take one. Matt is probably watching the show like oh, Matt is dying right now. Matt is probably laughing. Matt's probably gonna give us a text in the next few minutes. Oh man, <laughs> but no, like I mean, right? But I, I, I had to give my flowers to Joe Burrow, man. Like doing his thing. Um, let, I mean, let's see if they can carry it to the uh, promised land, man. Let's see. All right, but one more thing, you guys. Yeah, I'm gonna just say. I'm gonna say real quick. Yeah. Um. I'm going to just talk about Joe Burrows. Uh, I know I stated before on previous shows that just how poised he is for only being in his second season. I mean, it's, it's just amazing to see how calm and collected, even when he's under the rest uh, against, like, the, the Titans defense, well, when the uh, the Chiefs uh, defense was getting after him, he hangs in the pocket. He, take, he takes those licks. He's not afraid to step up in the pocket, deliver uh, accurate balls to his receivers. And he did virtue as a freshman. And I think those few extra years in college is paying off now because he does not look like a second-year quarterback at all. He, he's just playing phenomenal. All right, yeah. Joe Burrow gets the Bengals their first Super Bowl appearance since 1988. But then the next game on the slate on Championship Sunday was the NFC Championship game, the 49ers-Rams and NFC West battle. It was a very low-scoring game for – the first quarter, no, no, no score the entire first quarter. Then it was back and forth for a little bit. Third quarter, the 49ers got to a 10-point lead after a George Kittle 16-yard touchdown. But then the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan once again blows another lead in the playoffs. Man makes a habit of it uh, as the Rams <laughs> beat the 49ers and win the NFC 20-17. Matt, I'm going to go to you first. Yeah, this is another good one, a low-scoring game. In this game, I did have the Rams winning. Uh, I forgot what, what uh, score I said previously, but I did have the Rams winning in the closed game. Uh, the 49ers stuck around. They did. They pretty much did how I thought they would. I wasn't expecting much from Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't have his stats in front of me, but he played, <laughs> uh, he played just about as well or as bad, per se, as I thought he would. Matt Stafford is balling. He is a man on a mission. He, I would say he had the most pressure coming into these playoffs because the line, I mean, uh, Rams gave up all their future picks just to get this man. They, they went all in on Matt Stafford. And we knew what the situation was when they, when they let go of, um, of uh, golf. We knew that they were on a mission to get a, a, an elite quarterback, an elite talent quarterback who, felt, who they feel like take them to the promised land. And that's what they have done. I think the acquisition of Odell Beckham has been a, a great thing for this team. He had over 100 yards, has been a great second option since Robert Woods has been injured. Um, 
So I mean, not Robert Woods. What was that? Who was, oh, that? was, was it? Robert Woods that got injured? You're right. You're right. You're right. Robert Woods, right, right. Yeah, Robert Woods who got injured. He's been playing very well. Cooper Cup had another. We know what Cooper Cup is going to do at this point. He's just uncoverable. Whether you double team him or not, he just finds different ways to affect the game. Whether you put him on a slot, whether you put him on the outside, he can catch balls in the numbers, between the numbers, outside the hashes, touchdowns, like whatever you need Cooper Cup to do, he can do it. Uh, the Rams defense, both teams' defenses really came to play. They were holding things down. Um, I was nervous when the 49ers went into halftime with that lead because Matt Stafford seemed like he would get – he was he was playing well as far as statistics like completions, pass rating, but he wasn't getting into the end zone. Also, he was gaining a lot of yards, but there was empty of possession. He was, yeah. Don't forget, all his receivers were dropping balls too. He must have had like four drops in that first half. There was that one in the end zone. Cooper Cup dropped one, which right, was rare to see. A lot of drops. Right, right. Now that that that's accurate. Uh, there were many drops. So as a team, they just weren't coming up with the plays that they usually make to get into the end zone. So that did worry me. Uh, but they fought through it. The Rams defense uh, held them to seven points in the third and held them to zero points in the fourth quarter. They out, they, the Rams outscored the 49ers 13-0 in the fourth quarter. And Matt Stafford just handled business and just made the plays. Odell Beckham showed up because he had one-on-one uh, coverage now that Cooper has most of the attention. Um, they didn't really run the ball as much as I thought they would coming into this game. Uh, but they, they got it done. All right, Jay, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> another good game. Um, uh, so Matt Matt Stafford, um, I mean, the Rams brought him in to get to where they are now. I mean, look at uh, – he, he went 31 for 45, 337 yards um, with two touchdowns and one interception. Um I mean, Cam Akers uh, had 13 carries for 48 yards, uh, average 3.7. Um, so, I mean, I'm really happy for Odell Beckham, though, because, you know, he's been to a lot this season, getting traded from the Browns. Uh, they thought that, uh, you know, bigger was a problem, and he proved he proved that to people that, that, that like, you know, he's – He's had several touchdowns uh, on the Rams since, like you know, joining joining them from the Browns. So, like, he's a very I'm very happy for him um, to get maybe potentially get in the ring. Um, but Jimmy, like, he that, that I don't know what he was doing with that pick, man. I don't know what he was kind of reminding of that Mahomes play, just running off his back foot, running around scrambling, and just just throwing it randomly. Uh, <clears throat> that's how it got picked off, but. Um, yeah, I mean, and plus they're going to be at, at their home turf for the Super Bowl. So, I mean, it works out for them. Um, so, yeah, it was another good game. Yeah, you, you talk about that, like that Stafford – oh, not Stafford, that Garoppolo interception at the end of the game and saying it was Mahomes. Like, it was more Carson Wentz. Like, we've seen Carson Wentz do those interceptions a lot this year. A lot of uh, – I don't know how, I mean, and, I don't know how he got that pass off anyway. I don't know how. I, I, I get what he's trying to do. He was trying to avoid the sack, which you got to do in that situation, but – I, I don't know what he was trying to try to do with that pass. It was, uh, uh, it, beyond my knowledge. I, I got I got a. Where you go? I got a question for both of y'all. So, mm-hmm. do you guys view Matt Stafford as an elite quarterback now? Because I know that, I know at first we have, uh, we viewed him as an elite talent, but do you feel that he has reached the? I don't think he's an elite. an elite quarterback, especially uh, if he wins. This- I don't think he's elite. I still think he's okay. definitely in that top 
12, top 13 top range. Top 10 for sure. I don't know. Not top 10. There's oh, a lot of great quarterbacks now. A lot of great quarterbacks now. There is. I, I, and it's I, only I think, one season with the Rams. Like, he only, yeah. like, can't really. I think he's definitely in, like, a top 12, top 13 right now. I wouldn't put, like, I think to classify as an elite quarterback, you need to be, like, a top five quarterback. That's what I consider elite. So I, I don't think Stafford's in that top right, five, okay. so I wouldn't consider him elite right now. But I, I, mean, I also don't have him consider him elite. I have him in that very good category. Yes, uh, that's exactly right. Similar I to uh, maybe like Philip, yeah, Philip, Philip Rivers, Andrew Luck when he was playing. You know what I'm saying? I have him in that very good category. Yes, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't put him as an elite yet because I mean, it's still early. Like he's he, he's still like. It's his first season with the Rams. Um, maybe my thing, my my decision would change once he gets a ring. Um, but I don't know because I, I I don't think you can blame it on Matt because he had like he had I mean, yeah like Megatron and Detroit. Um, he had a couple of good players, but like you can't really blame it all on him for the, the players that he had. But um, like I don't know. I mean, I'm. I would place them like, it, like where Ant said, like in the top, like thirteen, like in that tier. Um, yeah. Like I feel like uh, I feel like to be an elite quarterback, you have to have you know, have to have like you know a good a good record. I mean, yeah, you, you have to be able to you know. I mean, obviously he's brought his team to where he's at now, and that's why the Rams brought him in. But I feel like. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I feel like you know may, maybe we would our answer would change after he won the Super Bowl. Maybe put him in that tier, that that elite tier. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It, one more thing before we uh, yeah nah. we, we move off this game is just Debo Samuel's production this season. Yeah, just just a heartbreaking end of the season. He had, he was oh, doing I'm it sorry. all over there. I can't believe I forgot about that. Four he had four receptions, seventy two yards on a touchdown. That touchdown in the second quarter, that 44-yarder, he got on a little screen route. He must have made like six guys miss. Unbelievable play of that catch and that run after the catch. That 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 was yeah, that was uh Jimmy's one of his two touchdowns, and he really didn't do anything on that touchdown. So you, you can pretty much throw that touchdown on the board. That was all that was pretty much all Debo Samuel. He has seven carries for 26 yards as well. Debo Samuel has definitely been outside of Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. Probably a top three weapon in the game this year, because Jonathan Taylor's just been the best running back, and Cooper Cup's been the best receiver. Debo Samuel's done both; and he's done both at a high level. So Debo Samuel's definitely had a really good season. Sucks that he didn't get a chance to play in the Super Bowl this year. He had a great game. Just give your flowers at Debo Samuel, Matt. One more thing, we're gonna move on. Yeah, no, I have to give – I'm glad you said that. I can't believe I forgot to mention Debo Samuel, man. He had an unbelievable season, an unbelievable game. Um, he's big – in certain moments, it felt like the 49ers' offense was Debo Samuel's or bust. You know what I'm saying? Like, he can do everything, catch up the backfield, uh, catch between the numbers. He could be in the slot outside. And he runs the running back. He doesn't – you know those receivers who, uh, who they use uh, in running plays, but they don't really run like running back. He, I saw him take a lot of hits. I saw him shed a lot of tackles, put his head down, pick up crucial first downs when they needed to. I got to give a lot of credit to Debo Sam. He's definitely a top – he's been a top five weapon this season. Uh, and his Madden rating deserves to go up. I'll definitely say that. Yeah. So, 
Rams punched their ticket to the Super Bowl the second time in four years under Sean McVay. And that brings us to our last uh, football topic of the night. We're, we're going to do what we're so it's two weeks to the Super Bowl. We're going to record two episodes till the Super Bowl. This one and our next Tuesday's episode. And we're going to give two predictions. This is going to be our prediction number one. So I'm just going to, we're going to do a little bit of a round table here. Who we think is going to win Super Bowl 55. Who do you think can be the main producers in this game? What's going to be the edge factor? Uh, I'm going to go Jay first. Rams, Bucks. Rams, Bengals. What do you think, Jay? Rams, Bengals. So I think it's going to be the Rams because they have a kind of an advantage of being at home. Um, and I think it's going to be the X factor going to be Odell Beckham. And another X factor on deep on one offense. Then another X factor on, uh, is probably going to be the two, uh, Aaron Donald. And Ramsey on defense. Um, I think that I think the announcers on, during the Bengals Chiefs game said that the Bengals have a, kind of like a subpar O line, um, not that good of an O line. So I feel like Donald's gonna like rush them, uh, get like he can push anybody off that line. Um, but my my, it's, I feel like it's gonna be 30, 30 to twenty four Rams. All right, so Jay's got the Rams. I'm going to go to Matt second. I'll do mine last. Okay, this is going to be another good game. My heart is telling me the Rams, and my mind is telling me the Bengals. And I've seen Joe Burrow do it over and over again big in these games. But as of right now, I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm going to go with the Rams. Um, let's just say for right now, I'm going to say 28-24 Rams. Um, I did have Odell being an X factor, but since Jordan chose him, I'm going to mention two other players that I think are going to be crucial in this game. Number one being Matt Stafford. Uh, obviously, the quarterback is the most uh, important position on the field. Uh, he gets to decide who he throws to. Um, and it depends on what Matt Stafford you get. Because we saw stretches this season in the regular season, I should say, where he was off. Where he was, uh, he's, I think he had like uh, eight interceptions to, uh, to three touchdowns over uh, like a, a seven-game or something like that in the regular season. He had a, definitely had a, an extent where he was throwing more interceptions than touchdowns. So if Matt Stafford is off, if he plays like the Detroit Lions Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow is going to definitely use that as an advantage and he's going to put up points. And I don't know if Matt Stafford, if he's off, will be able to out, uh, outscore Joe Burrow because the, the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bengals defense is no joke. No joke. Uh, they got Vaughn at, at, at safety. They got those uh those their defensive ends are B. They have they have they don't have any superstar names per se, but they have a lot of quality high first, second, and third round picks on the defensive side of the ball. And we know what the offense is capable of. Um, so Matt Stafford, he's definitely a key factor. And then secondly, I would say Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald would be my key factor on the defensive end because we've seen Joe Burrow be under duress, but no one's been able to get to him. That I mean, he's taken don't get me wrong, but he's breaking so many tackles. He's extended so many plays. They, no one has been able to consistently keep him on the ground. And I think Aaron Donald and that Rams defense has the star power and potential to make it really, really – this is going to be the Joe Burrow's toughest challenge because not only do you have to worry about Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller out on, uh, with the uh, edge rush, since Aaron Donald gets double teamed on almost every play, that opens up things for the defensive tackle. That opens up for the – 
to get their pass rush. So now you, you have to worry about not only the pass rush coming from the outside, from the edges rather, but you have to worry about that interior rush getting through as well because Aaron's going to be doubled. So Aaron Donald is my uh, key factor in the defensive end and the Matt Stafford. I want to see what he's able to do. Yeah, you guys bring up very good points about the Rams, but I, I bet against the Bengals last week with the Chiefs. I don't think I can do it again. These Bengals are red hot. Joe Burrow has been playing some of the best football he's I, – I, I mean, I should say the best football he's ever played because we saw him at LSU and he was unbelievable there. Joe Burrow just, just seems different. This Bengals team uh, the year before – Burrow came to them was two and fourteen. And in two years, Burrow's already taken them to the Super Bowl. This is one of the best turnarounds I've ever seen a franchise make in such little time. It starts with him. Him and Chase. They did it all on their own. Chase have quite possibly the best rookie receiving season I've ever seen. He's up there with Justin Jefferson, Randy Moss as the two, you know, best rookie receiving seasons. That connection has been unbelievable. You saw that touchdown in the in the second half of the Chiefs game. They threw another uh, little goal line fade to him, and he just sort of went up for it and got it. So uh, Jamar Chase has definitely been a weapon. T. Higgins, another guy on that offense that has really come up huge in different spots. He's made clutch catch after clutch catch this season. I think they're going to be without C.J. Uzoma. I think he went down in the Chiefs game, but I, I I do agree with you guys in the sense that that Chiefs that not that Chiefs that Bengals O line is definitely a huge flaw within their offense, and it could be made you know vulnerable by that insane Rams pass rush. But I think Joe Burrow can innovate it. You, you saw that one play where he was scrambling. He high stepped Chris Jones on that play. He's shown that he can get out of situations like that. He could be a great scrambler. I mean, don't get me wrong, Aaron Donald's one of the best we've ever seen. But Joe Burrow, he's crafty. He definitely can work his way out of things and, and make a make a big time throw when he needs to. The defense the defense for the Bengals was the story of the second half, as we mentioned earlier. They shut down probably the most high potent offense in the last few years in the Chiefs. And the Rams, in my eyes, even though they've won, they've one in, in games where they probably should have lost. The Rams have been making way too many mistakes and it hasn't really bit them yet. They, they, they've gotten by in games where they really have not played well. I, that, that Bucks game, we'll talk about that Bucks game real quick. That second half was not good. It was probably one of the worst halves I've ever seen a team play that and they still won the game. It, it was brutal watch. In the, in the 49ers game, they were down for a good majority of it. They, they make these they, – they have these lapses in time when they're just not playing sharp. And finally, when, when you face a red-hot team like this Bengals team that also knows how to come back, as we've seen against the Chiefs, I, I think the Bengals are going to win this game. And on the defensive side of the ball, we talked. you talked about Von Bell. You talked about – I, we have to talk about him because he was a, a main storyline last week. Eli Apple, <laughs> he, get, he was getting burned by Tyreek in that first half, but he was able to buckle down, drop the pick, but he made a huge goal line tackle. Trey Hendrickson, th- this Bengals defense is slip, slept on big time. Yeah, I mean, I'm still going to go with the Rams. But I wouldn't be, yeah. Like you said, uh, and uh, like – 
like you said, we have another, another show next week before the Super Bowl. I, but uh, I'm gonna get my score real quick. Hold on. Yeah, I, I'm taking the Bengals. It's gonna be a little high score, and I'm gonna go Bengals. Thirty-two. Rams. Twenty-eight. Thirty-two. Twenty-eight. Yeah. Bengals. I I still pick the Rams, but I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, like if the Bengals, like so, say if they're in like a deficit, like a deep deficit, like they were to get the Chiefs. I wouldn't be surprised if like they come back, um, and be in be an upset. Um, so I could slap the Bengals next week for a win, but I wouldn't be surprised if they come back because, like, Joe Burrow has proven to me that, you know, in a playoff caliber, you know, playoff run, he can come back. If I'm falling asleep during a game and I think it's boring and I, and I wake up and I see that another team is on a roll, like, like the Bengals, like, that say something to me. That means this team can make a comeback and make a game interesting. So, like, I'm still gonna go with the Rams for right now, but I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised for an upset, for a Super Bowl upset. Hey, this this game should be good. I'm, it's gonna I'm, be like this is probably the first Super Bowl where like they didn't really. This is the first Super Bowl that people didn't didn't really expect Burroughs or Matt Stafford to be in. Which makes it so good. Like people thought it would be like Tom Brady or like you know the Chiefs. This is the first Super Bowl. Since 2015, with no Mahomes or no Brady, no, no, no. So Brady. we find—it's refreshing to see a Super yeah. Bowl where you don't have the same guys every year. That's, that's another problem I've had with the NFL. Like, I, I don't want to keep watching Super Bowls. Thank God Brady's finally retired, so I don't have to watch Tom Brady in another freaking Super Bowl for the next ten years. And then now we have Mahomes to worry about, but you know he's not going to be in there every year. But uh, it, it should be a great game. Uh, it's going to be on February. 13th, I believe. That's that's not this Sunday, next Sunday. So looking forward to that. But that should be it for our football right. segment. We gotta we don't we don't have that many. I, 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 I just wanna ask one uh, what? Oh no, I just wanted to say one, one thing real quick. Um I think Anthony, you made a yeah an excellent point. Uh, I think your best point that you made, your best argument was uh, how you talked about how the Rams make are prone to make crucial turnovers. Uh, late in ball games, and it hasn't come to bite them in the back yet. So I'm gonna I'm gonna watch out for that. But there's one thing that you're forgetting, and when you talked about Burrow and the pass rush, and I, I said this against uh, when the Rams were playing the Buccaneers. Not only do you have to worry about that pass rush, and you're forgetting Jalen Ramsey and and their secondary, they're elite as well. So not only are you getting pressured, your receiver your receivers aren't getting open as often as they usually will. So it's going to be hard. I think it's going to be Burrow's biggest challenge to to fight off that pressure and for his receivers to get open like they normally do. That's all I want to say. All right. Well, that's a, that's a good analysis. It's going to be it's going to be tough for Burrow. I mean, it's it's Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl Fifty Five. Looking forward to it in a few weeks. So now we're we're going to move on to NBA. We don't have too many NBA stories tonight. It's a little bit of a a dry week, as we say, for the NBA All Star games coming around the corner, but. We have a few stories on the rap sheet. First thing we're gonna we're gonna touch on is a little bit of a sad story, but also we gotta mention it. Kobe Bryant on January twenty sixth, two years ago, passed away in a helicopter crash with his daughter Gianna, and it's been two years. Not today, but it's been, it came across two years throughout the week. So we we just wanted to quickly touch upon that. And Jay was. 
Jay really was adamant about getting this in there. Yeah, really, because um, I know um, I think January twenty sixth was a two year anniversary of the of the accident, and um, just you know, to this day I still can't believe it. Um, you know, just the mark that he made on the league and things he he has done. It's sad, man, and um, like that two year um that two year anniversary just like hit me because like. Heck, he's really like gone. Um, Kobe was not just a national star; he's a global star. Everyone, everyone I know or everyone I've seen, no matter what country you're in, either had the Kobe Bryant jersey. Um, just a phenomenal player. It's just you know, it's it sucks that he's not here. Um, but just like. Just like LeBron uh, said at his ceremony, um, I think a couple of days after it happened, he was just like, you know, we have to move on and just like, you know, keep his legacy intact. So, yeah, it, it, like it hit me the other day because, you know, like it was like, dang, that really happened. Um, so we all miss you, Kobe. Uh Lakers are not doing well this year, but I don't know. We'll see if Laker LeBron can uh, can do something. Yeah, Matt. So Matt, you got anything to add about that? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. First of all, just rest to all the victims who died that day. Rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, Gigi. I still can't believe him. I'm ever gonna forget this, forget that day when Kobe passed. Ever, man. I just, I, I still can't really describe how like it feels, bro. It just feels crazy. Like he still doesn't even just saying the word words. Kobe died and just talking about referring to him in the past tense is like it's still weird. Um, but yeah, I, I remember when I first heard the news. I was at a at a restaurant with my family, just eating, and then my aunt was on her phone and she looked up. And uh, she knows I do sports, so she the first thing her first words was she looked at me and then she shared it to the whole table. She was just like, "Oh my gosh, Kobe died!" And when we first heard the news, we just couldn't believe it. Like I, I didn't even know what to say. Like I didn't even know how to feel. I couldn't think. I was like, "There's no way. It, it must be fake news. Someone is probably trying to get likes, or I don't know why. You know, you know how people are on Twitter." Uh, but then as uh, different reports started coming in, the TMZ reported, seeing it pop up on the TV. And it was true, man. You just you just hate to see it. You hate to hear about it. Um, and that that twenty twenty that both Lakers won that championship for Kobe. It's probably it might be my favorite championship I've ever watched ever. To see not only because Rondo, yes, Rondo's my favorite player, was part of that team that did help me like it even more. Uh, but it's the fact that it was after Kobe's passing and Gianna's passing, all the stuff that they had to endure that season, the bubble, COVID, Kobe's death. The Lakers found a way to win a ring for Kobe and, and Gianna. And, and the game misses him. Like, you, we all know how many people looked up to him. And uh, he taught this this generation that we're watching right now, the Jason Tatum, the Devin Booker, John Morant, Luka. Like, like, like uh, Jordan said, he wasn't international. He was global, man, like, all over the world. China, it doesn't matter. Like, everybody knew and loved Kobe. And I hate to see him, his life so short, because he was doing great in his second field. Uh, I think he got a what a Oscar he won if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So sure, I just I just hate to hear about that and I just hate that that happened. Yeah, yeah. Like before Ann goes, right, like yeah. the thing that really tears me up Rest is just like, Kobe, man. 
Yeah, like before Annie takes uh talks about it, like like before um like just the thing that Derek tells me up is like just like he was just about to start his second chapter of his life, you know, focus on his kids, uh supporting. I think he's gonna be um he's gonna help support the WNBA because John is has some talent. Um and I think they were going to a game, a tournament. Um they're on their way and like yeah, recipes to all the seven others that are on that plan as well. Um, but it really tore me up because, like, he was really like, you know, like we really didn't see the father, the father side of Kobe. We also we, we saw the player side, and we like we were just now we, we were just now seeing that side of him. Like, you know, we were. I mean, we always knew he was a, like, a nice, genuine dude, player. But like off the court, like we all knew he was a family man. But we were just now like witnessing, like him getting more involved with the WNBA, and even post his passing, like you know, there's, um. I think they retired uh, Gianna's number. I think uh, for the for the draft, and it's like that's that that's what really tore me up. It's about like you know him being not living, not living up to his goals of you know obviously he's got to the Hall of Fame, but like not him not being on the stage, giving that speech, being at the table, you know it sucks, man. Like that's what really tore me up. Not not being the father, you no, know, he was set to be in his next chapter of his life, so. Yeah, so I, I, it, Kobe Bryant was one of the best ambassadors for the game ever. He was someone that people looked up to as the way you go about things. You put 110% into everything you do. You you wake up early. You get to your if – you, if you're at a job, if you're an athlete, if you're doing anything, you get there early. You, you get as much done as you can, possibly can. You strive to be better every time you go out in whatever you do. And as you said, Jay, he was just starting the second phase of his life. He he had so much more to give us, and he, he couldn't be around for it. And I know his family's still trying to move on with it, and the world's still trying to move on with it. And, the funny, the, not I shouldn't say the funny thing is, but the the sad thing is, the world really hasn't felt the same since he's he's left. You know, what I mean, right afterwards, that's when COVID pretty much started, and and it's really it the it hasn't really stopped. It all started with that. Uh, but you know, Matt, you made up a great point when you, you talked about the Lakers championship run. That was a crazy thing to watch just that year after everything that had happened. Kobe Bryant is definitely a top five player to ever pl- pick up a basketball. We've se- we we saw all the great moments from 81 to Shaq and Kobe three P to the, the repeat in 2009-2010. What a career from Kobe Bryant and and it's been two years and it's it's still unbelievable to even think about. But yeah, like he was like thinking about it, he was like an 18 year old dude because I got a um, my cousin my godfather gave me a book a uh, liquor's book uh, and like that. He was a young 18-year-old prospect, like bodying grown men, man, like coming from Lower East Marion High School in Philly, a young dude. People didn't believe in him at a young age because he was like, oh, no way this 18-year-old dude can, like, you know, have so much skill. But this man was going into, like, pickup games, into gyms, into, like, uh, scouts. Look at him. This dude was crossing people up, dunking on people at 18. Like this dude was special, and he knew like this dude Kobe had a 
was born was born with a ball, a basketball in his hand. And like now, just like, you know, like I don't know, it's just kind of like when I first like I was bawling, I was crying because like it, it hit me. Like even it's like losing a family member, man, like something that's close to you, even though he's not like I didn't know him personally, but it it affected everyone in the sports world, like, you know, so you know, rest in peace, Kobe. We we, we will miss you. Uh, we, we will continue your your legacy, Mamba Forever. That's all I gotta say for that. Yeah, it, it was a very crazy Mamba day, but two years since two years, it's been two years. So, well, our next story on our NBA little mini segment that we have going here. It's a bit of a little bit of a lull this week, but we have the All Star coming up February twentieth in, a, in a, about three weeks. So, the, the All Star starters have been announced. So the East Pool starters, it's KD, Giannis, DeMar DeRozan, uh, Joel Embiid, and Trey Young. On the west side, LeBron, Steph, Nicole Jokic, John Morant, and Andrew Wiggins. So a lot of controversies around the Wiggins pick in in terms of all-star starters. Uh, Matt, I'm going to go to you first. Um, well, as far as the, um, he had, this is definitely his best season. Uh, we statistically are just finding a role. This is his best season I feel like that he's had. A lot of people, when he first came out, people were talking about like the next LeBron and making all types of crazy comparisons when he was coming out of Kansas. I, I never valued him that much. I never like looked at him at that status. Um, I thought he was always like an all-star border player, like those players who were consistent all-star they they make it one year like, like Kyle Lowry for example I viewed him in that light uh but I disagree with them um I know they going based off of I have Devin Booker starting uh but I know they go by positions so they went John Moran Steph at the guards and then Andrew at the at the three um but even if not Devin Booker since they went it by positions I'll go Luca uh even though the Mavericks had a a, a bad start to the season and Luca hasn't played quite as well as he did last year, they still have, if I'm not mistaken, what are they on? Fifth, fifth in the world, like top, top six, seven. So they're, they're still in playoff contention. Luca's still the, 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 the main guy on the team. And that's the main reason why I have, I have Luca starting over Andrew Wiggins. And because just their roles are completely different. Luca is the best player on a playoff caliber team. And he has all the responsibility. Sometimes it's Luca or Bust, because there's no real second option because Chris Porzingis has is never healthy. He's always out. Even though he, he started he started the season off very well, actually, but he's injured again. It's always basically Luca or Bust. Yes, they have Tim Hardaway and Brunson is nice. Uh he has nice games occasionally. Andrew Wiggins is basically the third op- third or fourth option now that Clay Thompson is back. And once Wiseman comes back, he gets pushed down even further. So it's just the responsibility different. He doesn't have to worry about carrying a team every night in and night out. He, he can just let Steph do his things and feed off Steph. So I think just off the fact that the role is the first option and Andrew's more of like a third option, third, fourth, um, I would go with Luca because Andrew doesn't have as much responsibility on his plate. Yeah, Luca Doncic's definitely been having a great season and, and Andrew Wiggins and the Warriors are definitely having better team success. So it could be part of the reason why also, their Warriors fans are 
an abundance. So they were probably spamming that all-star vote because it's always comes down to the fan vote. Jay, do you have any opinion on this? Uh, my question is, so I, I know Kevin Durant got picked, but he might not play. So, I mean, who would be – because he had that it's, knee ligament. It's going to be someone in the East, though. That, that they're going the they're, they're, they're to pull in the East replacement. Got so, you, I, got I don't you. know. I'm trying um, to think who would. Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Could be. Yeah. Um, I would pick Zach. Maybe like Jimmy. I, mean, I think they list him as a guard. They may not. He may not be Katie's replacement. Probably someone from the Heat. Maybe like Jimmy. Yeah, that's a solid one. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, like I mean, I, Jimmy uh, or Zach, I would say are the top two candidates. All right, so Jay, what are you saying? No, I was saying that. Uh, I don't know. This whole All Star. Like the modern day All Star game, they're not like. I mean, they're kind of competitive. Like usually, like the first couple quarters, they they, they play kind of soft because I mean it's. But then, toward third fourth quarter, they start actually playing ball. Um, but like we're talking about like modern day All Star games compared to like the olden day All Star games, like like Kobe Bryant's, the Michael Jordans, when they got picked, it picked they um they actually went hard like all four quarters. I mean, because think about it, it's the best. It's a basically they call it the the best pickup game, the best pickup game in the world. All the best players in the world is at one event on the same court for one night. And don't get me wrong, the I mean, it's been cool to watch. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of like the past couple, the past couple of years, like it's kind of been boring to watch. Like even though like it's kind of fun. Is an all star game, but back in the day, they used to like go at it, like you know. So, I mean, I'm not sure if this like the times have changed, like different eras. Because I know, uh, that one episode of uh, The Last Dance when they were all like, uh, the Kobe Bryant, they were on the locker room and stuff, like talking crap to each other and stuff, like you know, they were going at it. So, I mean, what do y'all think about that? Uh, I, I never really put too much thought into the NBA All-Star game. It was something fun to watch. I threw it on whenever it was on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, you don't want these guys to be going at it, like, so hard. Because in the, at the end of the day, it's just an exhibition game. These guys have a no, whole other half of the season to go. They have well, don't playoffs they, don't the they uh, have something in their contract, like, uh, like an incentive? Like they just have an incentive you know? to make the All Star team, not to win it. That, that that doesn't matter. All you have to do is make it. Just, so the All Star game is really just an exhibition. It's meaningless. Like you, you want to get in, of course, because that's an incentivized part of your contract. But once you're in it and playing in it, it ha- serves no real purpose to you. I mean, you want to show off what you could do against the best players in the world, but at the end of the day it's not going to factor in in the grand scheme of things. I You don't want your players, especially if you're – say like you're a Laker fan and LeBron goes down the All-Star game. You're going to be mad because LeBron got hurt in a game that virtually means nothing. So I'd rather these guys, you know, put on a little bit of a show, have fun, and, and just put on a show for the fans than rather going after each other and having a competitive game because the All-Star game is not really meant to be that. Matt. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point. You bring up a good point. It, it's definitely fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. It's just like maybe the competition. I mean, the competition where it's like, or it was like, you you know, you had the you had the um the Magic Johnsons, like you know, like they were going, they were going at it four quarters, like. Because, I mean, obviously they were best friends off the court, but on the court they were competitors. 
I mean, like, I'm not saying like you know KD and LeBron. Like, I mean they're tight off the court, but I mean I'm saying like the different the way the game was played. Like, I can I think last year was like they had to make a they had to make the the one team had to get to a certain amount of points to win the game. I think like 150 points or something like that to win, and then I think it's like a set set score. Yeah, that that was um, the Kobe Bryant year. Oh, that was the Kobe Bryant year. Yeah, uh, Co- it was because Kobe, they, they did like a, a promotion where like it was, they had to reach a certain number uh, of points. There's no time limit. They just had to get it in this amount of time. Mm-hmm. It was a promotion. Like, I like that too. It, I it thought it was last little... year as well. I think, it, I think it was, they did it last two years. Did they do that last year? I don't remember. I didn't. I don't think I watched the game last I year. I think so. Because you remember, remember, oh yeah, because you remember, yeah, they did. Because uh, I think Damian Lillard made that logo three to end it. Oh yeah, maybe yeah, I, I didn't like watch the game last year. Like, I don't really remember. Yeah, yeah but I, I just want to say, add this real quick. Um, uh, to Jordan's point, it is an era thing. It is definitely a generation thing as far as why they don't go as hard, especially in the, like the All Star game. Because look, if you look at back then, players didn't hang out in the off season. Players weren't buddy buddy. Hey, let's get together and make super teams. Let's do this. No, it was you stay over there. I'm staying here, and we're going to battle. We're going to go at it. Now you have LeBron and all these young players that look up from working out with him in the offseason. You got the different, you got Kyrie and James Harden and Kawhi and Paul George working out together. Best friends working out together. The Banana Boat crew. I know Dwayne Wade's retired now, but there's this clicks now. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, I feel like the raw spirit of competitiveness isn't quite what it was because everybody is, is friends. And I'm not saying they don't try to win. I'm not saying that, that – uh, that if they don't go out and try to give their 100% effort and not compete. But it feels like the, the like the viciousness that you're referring to, Jordan, like that that grit, I, it is gone. It's, that's what's missing in the, today's game. Uh, but like I said, um, I've enjoyed the last two or three years. Uh, the year Kobe, uh, unfortunately, passed away. I think that was a great all-star game. Last year was amazing to see Damian Lillard and Steph just go back and forth with logo threes. I watched it. They, they both made like a crazy amount of deep threes. Um, so that, that I think that's the reason right there. It's a new generation. Yeah, I, I mean the All Star Game. It's an exhibition at the end of the day. It's meant to to entertain the fans. And there, there's the there's two sides of the argument. Jay, you you believe in the side where it should be physical. Me and Matt are sort of on the side where it should be a little bit more of showmanship sort of thing, not to tamper with players who might get injured, but. We'll see what happens on February 20th. It should be an exciting thing, and it's always fun. But our last story of the night. Better than the Pro Bowl. Yeah, oh, for sure it's better than the Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl, I never watched Pro Bowl. It stinks. But uh, last story of the night. Did you see the the starting lineup? It was like Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson. and I'm like, no one's watching that. But, but go ahead, Ann. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, last, last story of the night. Slam dunk contest. The, the, they announced the uh, the four participants who are going produ- uh, to who are going to perform in the slam dunk contest on February nineteenth. Orlando Magic guard Cole Anthony, Houston Rockets rookie guard Jalen Green, uh, New York Knicks forward Obi Toppin, and Golden State Warriors guard Juan Toscano Anderson. So uh, not a hu- superstar, all star studded cast we're going to be seeing in the slam dunk contest. But uh, what do you guys think about this? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, Cole Anthony—he's a phenomenal player, point guard. Um, 
just like the All Star game, man. The, the dunk kind of that, like ever since Aaron, the Aaron Gordon like controversy with the whole like with the dunk and the in the in the in the voting, it's just the, the like the dunking has been like whack. Uh, like other than like you know um, who's that dude on the uh, the backup point guard for the Blazers? Um, no, on the Blazers oh, on the backup Simons. Simons or yeah, yeah, like he's he, he yeah. He's a dunker, but I don't know. I might not watch a dunk contest this year, man, because I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't know any. Of the, I mean, Toscano, he's more he he's a slasher, but like I haven't seen him dunk in recently, like like that. Like, but but we'll see. I mean, maybe I watch a little bit of it. Maybe I watch the first couple rounds. Um, but it's not really too appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I saw this. I like Jalen Green. I think Jalen Green's gonna be a real oh, high fly nice, guy. Nice. He, he could dunk, man. Like for real. Yeah. I've seen some of his highlights of the first few weeks, but everyone was anticipating maybe an Anthony Edwards in this dunk contest. John Morant, like yeah. Yeah, John Morant, maybe. Like we wanted to see some guys who could be high flyers, but you know, normally guys, we, we've seen in the past that dunk contests have had less star power in these last few years. Even the year when Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon were going at it, they weren't superstars then. They were sort of like first, second year guys starting to get their legs under them. They weren't like the guys they are now. So I think the the slam dunk contest is really like a, a starting ground, like a training ground, really, just to get your name out there for people who really don't know you. So when you do get your name up off the ground, you you get more consideration for like all stars and stuff like that. That, that I never really seen the, the dunk contest for like. It's not what, what it used to be when Michael Jordan was going to it every year or when – who else? Like Nate Robinson was going to it and Sh- uh, Dwight Howard as well. It's not like that anymore. Blake Griffin, I should say, another name in there. But it's not like that anymore. It's more of a training game for younger guys to sort of get their name out there to NBA fans who may not know who they are. Matt, do you want to you chime in? Yeah, I agree. I agree completely with you. Yeah, I, I agree completely with everything you just said, Ant. Um, it's not what it used to be. Back then, we had all the studs. Um, Michael Jordan, uh, Dr. J. We had Jason Richardson. We had uh, Clyde Dre- Not Clyde Drexler. So, um, Dominique Wilkins, excuse me. We had all the elite players who were athletic participating in the dunk contest. You just don't see it nowadays. Like, LeBron didn't do it. Russell Westbrook never did it. Like, that's MVP Derrick Rose never. Did it? And the stars today's age don't want to do it. I don't know if it's just they don't they're scared about getting injured on a dunk attempt, or they just think this the All Star Game Slam Dunk Contest is just beneath them. I don't know what it is about this generation not want to participate. Maybe they feel like it's an insult that hey, man, I'm too good to be in a Slam Dunk Contest. Because as you mentioned, I, I feel nowadays it is more about getting these uh, younger players' names out who are on the come up, like Zach Levine back then and Gordon, Jalen Green nowadays. Um, but I, I wish they would have like put Zion Williamson, John Moran, uh, Jalen Brown. There's so many athletic young who are still young. I'm not none of the players I just named are over the age of 25, and they're all super athletic. The only players I'm interested in this dunk contest is Jalen Green and and, and uh, Anthony Cole. You know, uh, Anthony Cole. I actually saw some of his high school and he can get freaky. He he has. I know he plays for Orlando Magic, and you guys probably don't watch a lot of Orlando Magic games. I don't either. I'm going to be honest. I've seen Anthony. I mean, uh, Cole Anthony, he, he has some material. I think it's just going to come down to Jalen Green and Anthony, to be honest. Toscano Anderson, 
Um, he's just an in-game uh, in dunker. He's just a poor the Blake Griffin when he was with the Clippers, in my opinion. Um, and then who was other person? Obi Toppin is just another in-game. Uh, he's a he's a very good dunker. He's a power dunker. But I just think he's not going to get far due to the – he doesn't seem like that type of person who was a fly, a high flyer, you know. He's like a, a, a in-game dunker like a LeBron or a Blake Griffin. Um, so that, that's how I feel about it. I'm not really that interested, but I am interested to see Jalen Green and uh, Cole Anthony. And who knows? We might even see the next Zach Levine tonight. I mean, it, it, it's the slam dunk contest is just something we, we've seen most of the dunks. I mean, what else can you possibly do that has not already the, been done? I think, like, my issue with the dunk contest is like just the voting. Like, how the oh, heck man. does Aaron Gordon, how the, how does Aaron Gordon, I think, was it last year Aaron Gordon dunked or two years ago, Aaron dunked over Taco Fall? And, and that's probably one of the tallest players in the NBA, like 7 2. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that was him uh, that dunked over um, uh, Tuckle yeah. Fall. Uh, and, and I think everyone gave him a nine. Or no, uh, everyone gave him a ten except a for ten. And then I think D Wade gave him a nine. Yeah. I'm like, bro, D Wade, bro. Like, are you serious? Like, yeah. dude, jumping over, dude, jumping. That's a lot of bounce to get, to get over a seven two, and that's a lot of like, you know, energy. And I mean, that's why he's not. That's why he's not doing it because the voting is just like it's just rigged. I think it's rigged. It, it's, I think it's a little stupid. It, it's it's just like it. back in the day. That, that, like that, that's what I'm saying. Like when you compare like different eras, like you see like Donald Spud Webb, like all these all these. He was short. Um, like Nate Robinson. All these like we compare the the, the dunk contest. It like. Dang. People really were glued to the TV back in the day to watch like the MJ's dunk, and like the voting was actually serious back then. Like you know, Yo, Jay's getting heated over the dunk contest right now, bro. I never seen I mean, you get this heated over something so trivial. I mean, I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait to. I mean, I can't wait to see the, the, the three point contest. Did they release that? The play. I don't think they released yet? that yet. I haven't. I haven't seen anything about that. I'll probably be happy. That, uh, I bet. I put the bug Curry in there and Clay in there. I mean. I, that that requires less str- like strenuous stuff. Like dunking requires yeah. you to, like strain your, your legs a little bit. But it's right. not that bad. So you're gonna see. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I was kind of mad because like Gordon should have won that contest like, a couple years ago because of that. So yeah, well, st- the dunk contest is gonna yeah, take place. No, I agree. I, I I definitely like the three point shooting over the dunking. I've I've always liked the dunking. I mean, uh, the three point shooting over the dunk contest. The best dunk contest I ever seen was that Zach Levine. Aaron Gordon contest. That was amazing. Back in, but I, I, I'm interested to see the three points you know. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, it should be uh, entertaining. That is going to take place February 19th. That's Saturday. Yeah. So like, NBA. That's pretty much all we have for our NBA coverage today. It's been a little bit of a dry week, so we, we thought we could throw in a few little fun stories and uh, remember Kobe as well. So that's all we have today, right now, for the JJL Sports Talk Show. I'm Anthony Caffone. Jay's uh, Jordan John Louis. Big Jay is our our fearless leader, along with Matt Thornton. Big Maz, Brandon Morazzo could not make it tonight, but he's I'm sure he's listening right now. So Maz, we'll see you next week, buddy. Yeah. Anything you guys want to say before we wrap up? Oh, did, you, did you guys shout out Maz's uh, right scores? Uh, we'll shout him out right now, did, Maz. Did, great did job on your predictions. Uh, great job on your predictions for the Bengals. Good Boy, job, Maz. Uh, Rams and <laughs> good job, Maz. I see you class tomorrow, brother. <laughs> All right, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon Podcasts, and YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thank you guys for listening as always, and we'll see you next time. Jay, wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Thank you all for tuning in. Just again, you know, new news that we are on Amazon Music, Amazon Podcast, so that's a new thing. Um, but yeah, just follow us, stream us. If, um, you know, like you know what to do, y'all. So keep on subscribing, keep on viewing us, and uh <clears throat> we'll be back next week. Peace.